Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for gathering us together this evening to hear your word, to hear the wonderful message that you sent your son into the world to die for our sins so that we may be in relationship with you and look look forward to the coming of your kingdom that we may dwell with you forever. Amen. You may be seated. Throughout this evening, we have heard passages that point to the coming of Jesus Christ. From creation, God has been setting a plan to save his people from sin, to restore their relationship with him, and to gather his people into a kingdom where he will dwell with his own forever. One of our readings, coming from Isaiah chapter 11, gives us a glimpse into the nature of this kingdom God will establish and reveals the character of its ruler, Jesus Christ. Let's all turn together there to Isaiah chapter 11. Here Isaiah tells us about the future king, Jesus Christ, who will come to rule unlike any king seen before. He will be one that rules with the fear of the Lord bringing justice and righteousness to the world. We hear of the world itself forever changed, a world full of peace, even down to the very relationships between animals. In this passage, we find the longing for a solution to the brokenness of the world. I hope that in this message and in this service, we may all have confidence that God is accomplishing his will to restore all his people to himself. Isaiah begins chapter 11 by telling us about a shoot coming from the stump of Jesse. Here Isaiah sets out to give his hearers hope during a time of great spiritual and political tension. This passage takes place during the time of the kingdom of Judah when a king from the line of David ruled in Jerusalem. This was a time in which there was great corruption and sin. The vast majority of these leaders did what was detestable in God's eyes. They worshipped idols. They forgot their covenant, their relationship with God. They neglected and abused the needy. As these kings turned further and further away from God, Isaiah was sent to tell them they needed to repent. They needed to turn back to God. Unfortunately, they never did that. They just thought, well, I'm just doing what I want to do. It's working out fine for me as a king. Eventually, God had to deal with their sin. And he did so by using the nations around them. God used them like an axe to cut down that kingdom. And all that remained was that stump, that stump of Jesse a dead tree cut down by God as judgment against an evil people. However, even in this moment of great loss and suffering, Isaiah gives hope to his hearers. From that stump, Isaiah tells us, the shoot will come forth and its roots will bear fruit. Here, Isaiah proclaims the coming of a new king, a better king, from the root of Jesse, the father of King David. 
This king, however, will not come as one would expect in the glory of man. He won't come from the royal palaces of the great nations, nor in the strength of a mighty warrior, but instead will come forth from what is perceived by the world as weak, worthless, and discarded. Here we are already seeing the character of Jesus Christ revealed to us. Isaiah continues in verse 2 by showing us how the king will be empowered. Resting upon him is the spirit of the Lord. He will rule with the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The fruit of the shoots, we see, is not one from man, but from the Lord. It is only through the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord that Christ is able to lead his people with wisdom and understanding. He will be able to carry out the plans of God with the spirit of counsel and might. And the holiness of this king will come from the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Verses 3 to 5 continue to tell us how Christ will live, how he judges, and how he rules. This section begins by stating that Christ's delight is in the fear of the Lord. The greatest delight Christ had when he walked upon the earth was in that fear of the Lord. Christ rejoiced to do the will of his Father, even to the point of death on the cross. Christ came to the earth not to be served, but to serve. Unlike the leadership of humanity, Christ humbled himself, following the will of God the Father, never reluctantly, but with great joy. He is totally dependent on God for wisdom and judgment. Unlike the rule of humanity, Christ never judges anyone based on what he sees outwardly. He judges perfectly in total equity. Christ's judgment does not come also like that of man. If we look at verse 4, it tells us that Christ will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Jesus does not judge the world with the sword or by committing violence against those sinners. No, but he's he's one who comes and judges sinners by the truth of his word. He convicts sinners of their sin by telling them the truth of God. And it is with this grace that Jesus speaks against our sins so that we may turn to him. Even in our sin, he does not say, I'm just going to get rid of all these sinners. He says, no, I want to speak the truth to these people. I want them to turn to me. Finally, we're going to look at the final few verses here, chapter uh, verses 6 to 9, which tells us how Jesus' rule will forever change nature. Through the leadership of Christ, true peace will be established, just as it was in the Garden of Eden. What was once seen as an evil and as evil and violent animals will soon become friends. The relationships between humanity and with animals themselves will be healed. The predator and the prey will live together. And all of us will live like little children playing with the serpents. During this wonderful age of peace, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea.
But one might wonder, how is this even possible? How can this happen? As I stated before with the people of Isaiah's time, they didn't listen. They got destroyed. They got judged. How many of them thought, I can do better anyways? I, in my own ability, I'll be able to solve all the world's problems. Are we like those canes, like in Isaiah's time? When we look at the world and say, the world is so broken. God has just probably abandoned us by now. He's forgotten us. I better do this myself. How many, how many of us look perhaps to a political party to fix all our world's problems? A great superpower. Or many of us look to our work or education and say, this is the thing that's going to save me. Many times these things don't really fix the problem, though. Sometimes even create new problems. Isaiah anticipated this response because he knew the sorrow of, that sin brings to the world and the hopelessness of human effort to fix this broken world. But the prophet reminds us of the character of God, a God who fulfills his promises. At the end of chapter 11, Isaiah reminds the people of what God did before, the promises he made to their forefathers, and in particular looking at Moses in the Exodus. He told them that in that same way, God will save you again. God will not abandon his people. God does not forget his people in their time of need. And just as we've seen in all these readings this evening, God throughout history has been with his people, ensuring that they will have that moment uh, where everything will come together, where he will fix all the world's problems. And he does this by sending Jesus. By sending Jesus and to die for our sins, he has set that perfect thing in motion where he will save us from our sins. And God has made that promise through the prophet Isaiah, who has sent forth a child who will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So in this Advent season, let us remember all the promises God has fulfilled, and let us stand firm on them. From the promises made to, Abraham, to Adam and Eve, that from Eve would come forth an offspring that will bruise the head of the serpent, to Abraham, who was given a son, and the promise of a multitude of offspring, the promises he made to Moses in the freeing of God's people from Egypt, to King David and his, and his eternal royal lineage, which would be fulfilled in that first advent when the eternal king came into the world as a baby who lived a perfect life and died for our sins. Let us in this season look back with all believers through all the great things our God has accomplished. And finally, let us look forward to the second advent the promise that the Lord Jesus Christ will come again in glory to establish the new heavens and the new earth, which he will reign with the spirit of the Lord and who delights in the fear of the Lord, who will gather his people from all corners of the earth 
to his glorious kingdom. Amen.